You're listening to the Kingdom Culture Church podcast. To connect with us, hop on social media or go to kingdomculturechurch.com.au. Pastor Fred Porter, come on. Fantastic. Thank you, Chris. You can be seated. You can be seated. You can be seated. Yes, yes, sir. Praise the Lord. Thanks, Ben. You're awesome. Appreciate you. <laughs> so, uh, I can't hear out of this ear. I have a temperature and I feel terrible. So, this is either going to be really good or really bad. Mm. <laughs> so, it was pretty funny, actually. I, I had wisdom teeth surgery and that sucked. And, um, but because I uh, she had to partially dislocate my jaw to do the surgery, which is gross, I had, my, I had like locked jaw like a week and apparently your jaw is quite important we're just gonna just do biology before we do the, the bible um apparently your jaw is quite important to keep moving for your earwax to break down it's like a uh, dr caroline acton says like a human conveyor belt of wax so um i didn't move my jaw for probably like eight days and i felt my ears blocking up a bit but i just didn't care because i was recovering from surgery and i was hungry and um probably on last sunday night i was watching the youth takeover and i was like why are the audio levels so good? I can't hear anything. And uh, then I went to the doctor, and uh, the doctor was like, this is bad, bro. <laughs> and so she took me to the treatment room and ear syringed this ear. And I'm telling you, man, when, the, when it broke, the, it was like the walls of Jericho. Stuff spilled out. Like, it was just disgusting. And she was like, my nurse was pumped. She was like, oh, my gosh, that's disgusting. Lucy, come and look at this. I'm like, Lucy, go away. Um, but I couldn't get this ear, so I went to a specialist at Chermside yesterday, and he tried to use a Medivac and a thing, and it's close to my eardrum, so he couldn't get it. And so I'm going to uh, Dr. Bruce, an ear surgeon, on Tuesday. Uh, so, name's Bruce. So, um, yeah, that's me. What's going on with you guys? <laughs> Good? Happy? And I don't know about you, but I love being in series as a church. Free preachers are awesome and fun and and all that, but I love when we get to work through uh, a character in the Bible together uh, and see what God does in them and through them. And so if we could put the... um the, my equilibrium soft, this this afternoon, uh, I had some people over there and they left and I was walking through my house and I tripped over nothing. I was like, what was that? (laughs) And um, anyway, so uh, if we could put that um, recap up, Dan, that timeline, that would be uh, super helpful. Um, In the name of Jesus, give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down. I believe in you. Um, There we go. Okay, so we got... uh, we got Moses, uh, and he's born into a dangerous situation, right? He's born, uh, and all the babies are getting killed, and so his mum grabs him and, and, uh, uh, and puts him in a river. Uh, really quickly, just to see if I can get these jokes to land, I need to see who here has seen Prince of Egypt. Yes. Sensational. This morning, full of the mature Christians, I was making Prince of Egypt jokes, and they were like, and it could have also just been not been funny. Um, so uh, they're doing that, and obviously I like to imagine it like the movie, like the, the, the basket's moving and crocodiles are just missing it and hippos are just missing it, and it's just epic. Uh, then he becomes a prince of Egypt. Uh, so obviously Pastor Rob and Pastor Caleb have touched uh, on this elements, and, and uh, um, that he becomes a prince of Egypt, would have, which would have had perks, um, you know, going from probably being killed to being a prince of Egypt. Um, so really cool. Then he stands up for his people. Uh, and the way he stands up for his people uh, is he kills a person. So it's epic, isn't it? It's like someone, you know, teasing Mitch Cook and me being like, oi, don't. And then they're like, nah, I will. And so I kill him. And um, it's very epic. I'm that sort of friend. 
And so he kills someone, then he goes into exile. So once again, keep in mind, this isn't just a, like a fictional story. This happened to a person called Moses with emotions, with a personality type, with securities, insecurities. This is all going on. He then goes into exile and becomes a kind of a shepherd, which is fun. And he meets his wife, Zipporah, uh, which is exciting. And in Prince of Egypt, she's very attractive. Um, what's that got to do with anything? Nothing. Um, and then he gets a word from God. He, he, he gets a word from God, and it, the word comes through a burning bush. The Bible's trippy, man. And the bush, the bush, the bush, the bush talks to him and says, go back to Egypt. And he says, who are you? And he says, I am that I am. And the presence of God there just takes your shoes off because you're standing on holy ground. And every worship leader loves that verse. I don't. And then, so they go there and he, he's like, this is crazy. And then there's the anointing. And then he goes back to Egypt. Now you've got to understand this would have sucked. He's a shepherd out in Midian and he is loving life and he's with Zipporah and his father-in-law loves him and, and he's at peace and God says, go back. Why is this a big deal outside of the obvious? It's a big deal because neither side would have liked him. Let's hope Moses wasn't a two, man. Because half of the Egyptians would have been like, hey, it's Prince Moses, he's back. The other half would have been like, didn't he kill Greg? Like, didn't he like, you know what I mean? Like, and then the Israelites would have been like, some of them would have been like, wow, the guy that, that was one of us but then got promoted, he's back. And then the rest would have been like, what a traitor, what a, what a two-faced so-and-so. So he's going back into a horrible situation. Then he overcomes insecurity. How does he do that? He goes before Pharaoh and he petitions for God. He, he, he gets a staff and he puts it there and it turns into a snake, which is awesome. And then he overcomes insecurity uh, and then you see all these plagues hit Egypt. He sees the, the, the power of God, but he also sees the wrath of God, which is, by the way, morning crowd, this is the only bit that's the same. Um, he, sees the, he sees the power of God. Then, then crazy things happen. The Nile turns into blood. There's frogs just everywhere. Then there's locusts and everyone gets itchy bites or boils, but itchy bites is more PG. And, and then it, like, it's, all, it's, just, it's all happening, man. It's full on. And then the angel of death kills all of the firstborn of Egypt. I don't know about you. This would freak me out. Why? Because I had a conversation with that guy. The guy that just wiped out a bunch of people commissioned me by name. Pressure. <laughs> Crazy. Then they, uh, he leads two million people at Pharaoh when his firstborn dies. says, hey, just get out of here, go. Um, how good is the song in Prince of Egypt when the plagues are happening? You know, I will never let... And then it cuts to Ramses. Yeah, my... Anyway, anyway. So then he leads 2.5 million people out to a Whitney Houston soundtrack, which is very exciting. There can be miracles when you believe. <laughs> so he goes out. Stop it. He goes out and he leads 2.5 million people out. I like to sometimes think that I'm an okay leader. Moses is leading 2.5 million people. Hillsong's big. That's bigger. Hillsong every week have about 250,000 people meet globally. Moses is leading 2.5 million. I don't even know what that means. How do you communicate? Do you just have connect? I don't know. Anyway, so they get to the Red Sea and they're like, oh my gosh, the Red Sea, what are we going to do? And then God's like, check this out. And he puts his staff down and says, the wind comes from the east and then the sea opens. The sea opens. They walk through the sea. You know what I mean? Kurt Jones is there like, look at this. It's a beautiful thing. Like, Kurt, we've got to go. He's like, no, it's in danger. I'm like, shut up. We're going to die. They get out on the other side. The stuff happens. Ramesses is on a rock and is like, Moses. That doesn't happen, but it's cool in the movie. These people are going on a journey. This is full on. 
This is hectic. I get like thrown and emotionally unstable when my phone bill is a lot larger than I thought. <laughs> These people are being led out of slavery, which by the way, would have been utterly horrific being a slave for the Egyptians. We can sort of breeze through it. They could do whatever they wanted to them, whatever they wanted. So that's, that's full on. And then they're being led out by this random dude. Then there's all these plagues going on, which I just, come on, I just want to like, do you know what I mean? Like how anxious have we been because of the, the stuff that happened this year? But at no point was it like, hey, Helen, what's that? Oh, it's a million frogs. Cool. And that's like not too sinister. Oh, the water is now blood. Oh, people are dying. Oh, it's light in our region, but it's dark everywhere else. They were, it's like a horror film. Talk about anxiety. This is hectic. And now they're out in the desert. There's 2.5 million of them. They're being led by this dude called Moses and his brother Aaron, who frequently seem to not fully know what they're doing. There's no water. There's no food. And Whitney Houston's turned the soundtrack up. <laughs> Moses! We're hungry. Usually it was Moses. We're hungry. Moses. We're thirsty. Moses. Are we there yet? So they were like the three main ones. And then Moses would go to God and go, man, I need help. Like, there's two million people tweeting me. Like, this sucks. Please help me. And God would perform a miracle or he would bring freedom. A miracle or freedom. And then wonder. <gasps> Look at all these plagues. Look at all these frogs. The Niles turn to blood. It's exciting. Check it out. Egypt's in full darkness, but there's like a light on where we are. It's cool. Wow. Look, we've passed through. There's wonder, right? God's done something. Then life happens. This reminds me of me. (laughs) And I would humbly propose that it might, if you allow it to, remind you of you. God, you're so good. He stepped into my Egypt. Two days later, I hate my boss. Hate them from the devil. What's my point? My point is Israel is stuck in a very human ideology. And it, it could be easy to go, how could they get there? But we are actually on the other side of the cross in the new covenant. We have the Holy Ghost. We have the Comforter. I think the people that are already in heaven are looking at us going, how could they? How could they not trust him? They have immediate access. They don't need to go into a tent, inside a tent, inside a tent with a rope on their leg in case they have sin. They can just go, God, I need you right now. It's amazing. So they have some water. They have some sweet water. I like to think it was... Don't steal my jokes, Marco. I do like to think it was clear vanilla Coke. Or even better, it was like whatever you wanted. So some kids like, mm, honey water. I don't know what they drank back then. But, you know, you know the, old, the older generation were like, mm, barley beer. You know, it's not, so make beer out of barley. Anyway, so we move forward and we're going to move to chapter 16. And so we're going to read together. And this is called Bread from Heaven. Now, this is quite a long passage. So, <laughs> so it says this. They set out from Elim, and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, uh, which doesn't mean sin as in doing the wrong thing, it's just a, a name, which is between Elim and Sinai on the 15th day of the second month. Just incidentally, this is exactly one month after they'd been freed from Egypt. So it's not a long time ago. Their past isn't a long way in there, you know, a long time ago. This is four weeks later. Four weeks later. After they departed the land of Egypt, and the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron, dang, Moses has stepped into that 2IC position. <laughs> You're going to cop it too. 
That, that was funny to me. In the wilderness, and the people of Israel said to them, Would you that we would have died by the hand of the Lord in Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full? For you have brought us out of the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Shivers that just escalated, didn't it? It's like, we're hungry. It was better in Egypt. We ate from the meat pots. Now, I've done a bit of study. What actually would happen was the rich Egyptian households would get all their gross leftover food that the pets didn't want. They would scrape it into bowls and take it down to the city where the Israelites lived. And the Israelites would sit around if they hadn't eaten and they would eat the slop of the Egyptians. So we'll talk about this later, but complaint actually changes your perspective and you forget how things really were before you were in freedom. So we'll keep moving. So the Lord said to Moses, behold, I'm about to reign. Okay, this is great. Oh, but I didn't tell you my message title. My message title is Anti-Vegan Miracles. It's very exciting. I'll explain why. Um, then the Lord said to Moses, I want God to say this to me one time. Behold, I'm about to rain bread from heaven for you. Amen. And the people shall go out and gather a day's portion, and I may test them whether they will walk in the law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people, at evening, you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. What's he saying there? He's saying, hey, you're going to remember because of his goodness who he is. The Israelites were goldfish. They forgot the preeminence of God very quickly. And so do we. Because he has heard your grumbling against the Lord, for what are we What are, that you grumble against? And the Lord gives you in the evening meat to eat and in the morning bread to the full. Let's go. In the desert, sourdough in the morning, filet mignon in the evening. This is great. It doesn't say anything about kale or vegetables or soup. So that's fun. Then Moses said to Aaron, say to the whole congregation, come near before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. And as soon as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, they looked towards the wilderness. And behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in a cloud. And the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the people. We're at six grumblings in six verses. And the people of Israel said to them, at twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you'll be filled with bread. Then you shall know that I'm the Lord your God. Is Fred repeating bits? Has he lost his place? Why does... God has said like four times in like four verses that he's the Lord your God and I delivered you out of Egypt. No, no, no. He's just reminding the kids. In the evening, quail came up and covered the camp. And in the morning, dew lay around the camp. When the dew had gone, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. The Lord del- delivered frosties. When the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, what is it? It makes sense, I guess, doesn't it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, it is bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather it, each one of you, as much as you can eat. Praise God. You shall each take an omna, which is a measurement, according to the number of the persons that you each have in your tent. And the people of Israel did so. They gathered some more, some less. When they measured it with an omna, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as they could eat. And Moses said to them, let no one leave any of it over till the morning. But they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it till the morning. Was Anna talking about before? We love to hoard. Now, once again, to play devil's advocate for the Israelites, they are in a desert and they have kids. So they're like, you know what we'll do, honey? We'll, we'll put a bunch of this frosty stuff under our pillow for the kids for breakfast in the morning. When what they should have got, d- done is gone, God said he's going to provide every morning. So we'll trust that he's going to have stuff there in the morning. But we don't do that, do we? We go, well, we've got some now. And even though he provided what we've got now, We're unsure of if he'll do it again. So we need to build our levels of trust unto the Lord that he's going to provide every morning. And it will help us 
to obey. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much. Uh, uh, sorry, I missed a bit. Some left part of it till the morning, and it bred worms and stank. Had worms. And Moses was angry with them. <laughs> morning by morning, they gathered it, each as much as they could eat. But when, when the sun grew hot, it melted. This is like a magic story. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, two omers each. And then all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, this is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is the day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake, boil what you will boil, and all that is left lay aside to be kept till the morning. So they laid it all aside till the morning, and Moses commanded them, it did not stink, and there were no worms in it. Moses said, eat it today, for today is a Sabbath for the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you will gather, but on the seventh day, which is the Sabbath, there will be none. Now, understand we're very smart, but I'll just break that down quickly. He was saying on the Saturday, you can overgather for the next day because on the next day I want you to dedicate it to me. I don't want you to be worrying about gathering. I want you to dedicate it to me. And so on that day when they did that, it, it didn't go, you know, probably that same family was like, nah, we're going to trust in the Lord now. <laughs> next morning, oops. On the seventh day, some of the people went out together. Are we seeing a pattern here? Everything Moses is saying, via, like the Lord is saying via Moses, people are going, nah. It's a bit like us. On the seventh day, some of the people went out together, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain each of you in this place. Let no one go out on the seventh day. And finally, the people of Israel rested. Big passage of scripture there. A lot of meat, a lot of quail, a lot of frosties, a lot of magic, a lot of, a lot of dew in the morning, a lot of disappearing things, a lot of worms. It's very exciting. So currently, the people of Israel are legitimately being sustained by supernatural provision. They are drinking sweet water, and they are they're like they're not just having like it would have. I would have been like I would have been fine as if I'm some. I would have been fine if the Lord just sent like some wheat bales and they just had to make some bread. The Lord's like, have some quail, have some sweet bread, have some normal bread. Okay, all right. Just I am the Lord your God. It's awesome. <laughs> They are two million people. Do you know how many quails that is? Quails are very small. I could eat four quails. They may have had 10 million quails to, sail, to send daily. This is crazy. They're, they're like, this has happened. And so what I want to do is, it's so hot. Matt, let's install another air conditioner. So I want to go through some points, if I can. How much time do I have left? Right. So I want to go through some points from this story that I think we can grab today because I love the Bible. and When I read it, it comes to life for me, but I want to take something into my Monday. Because if we just stop there, for me personally, I won't speak for you, I would walk into my Monday going, God can provide food and sweet water. It's awesome. Cool. <laughs> you know, like, so I want to grab some things that we can take and we can apply to our life, marriages, bank accounts, kids, work, family. I want to, the first thing I want to talk about is the nature of complaint. The nature of complaint. A couple things about complaint. First thing is it always sees the small picture. Always sees the small picture. So, so they have just come out of like slavery and they're complaining. Now, I would say that needing water is, is a valid thing, but they have completely forgotten that he just led them through water. And he turned the Nile to blood. And Moses was delivered through water. He's the God of water. And they've seen that many times. So, but complaint removes the big picture 
and makes you focus on the thing that isn't right right now. And so you yell about the thing, I yell about the thing that isn't right right now. And we forget to look and see the goodness of God in the land of the living. The other thing about the nature of complaint, it has a very selective memory. Complaint has a very selective memory, not just with God, but with our, our friends and family. Moses, we had meat pots. No, friend, you had the slop and the unhygienic leftovers of a nation to feed yourself. And because you've forgotten who you are, you'd rather settle for that. We see it all throughout. We don't have time to go through all the examples. The father of nations, right, Abraham, he was upset because he didn't have one baby. He was despondent. He was offended. He was hurt. He'd given up. Oftentimes, we, we have a selective memory. Oh, it was easier when I was away from God. It was easier when I wasn't attending church. It was easier not serving. It was easier when I wasn't married. It was easier before the babies. I can't talk about that one, but for those of you that have babies, I'm sure it's tricky. Yep, amen, I'm getting hands. But it has a selective memory, doesn't it? Complaining. The other nature of complaint is it sees the worst in people and situations. It sees the worst. We've gone from we're hungry to, Moses, you've brought us out here to kill us, haven't you? What would... What would be the point in that? I know. I'll take my people into the desert and kill them. But then I'll be in the desert and the sea's closed and nah. No. It, it's, it's, it, it, it sees the worst. Complaint is a pair of glasses that are so wrong. I am becoming very blind. When I take these off, and I, I saw this meme the other day that said, when you're driving at night and you've got astigmatism, and it was just all these blurry lights. And I was like, that's me. Like, summed up these days we're driving. And I was like, oh, darling, put your, put your glasses on. And it makes me so mad. I'm like, I'm fine. Why, why are we in Maruchidor? Like, I'm fine. <laughs> but complaint is a pair of glasses that changes the way you see things. You know, uh, probably a month or two ago, um, me and Anna were having a, a marital disagreement. Diplomatic, but disagreeing and I was saying that I felt like that she's too independent and doesn't make enough time for me and I know it's terrible and um, I was like you just and I started complaining and it, I went straight to the you're taking me to the wilderness to kill me like I started out with oh, I just think we need more time together and then I ended with do, like do you even love me like I don't even know fully and like I know you do and I know you're committed but just sometimes you're just quite like distant and like I don't know and I'm gonna call someone and she literally goes Fred for the love of God, I'm surprising you by taking you to two nights away this week. I'm just trying to keep it a surprise, but because of your nonsense complaining, I can't keep it a secret. And I was like, I was like, awesome. <laughs> it's fine. But it's true, isn't it? Within a moment, we complain and we can do the same thing with God. We start out with this week's heart and we end in, are you even real? The nature of complaint is not what we want. Second point is blessing comes with the responsibility of obedience. We don't preach this one much. But blessing comes with the responsibility of obedience. God says multiple times in the two passages we have read, I will do this and then I will see if they keep the law. And almost every time they don't. Blessing comes with the responsibility. Friend, can I tell you, if I can say it humbly to the 
Sunday morning crowd being 28 and young, there is a cost to this thing, man. There is a cost to this thing. And I, I haven't paid the full cost, but I would say for a 28-year-old, I've paid a bit of a cost to do what I'm doing. And I'm sure many in this room have paid a cost to do what you're doing. And I'm not just talking about ministry. In fact, I'm definitely not just talking. I'm talking about marriage. I'm talking about your job. I'm talking about just being in the world, but not of it. There's a cost. There's a cost. But the blessing of God comes with a responsibility for obedience. You might be sitting here and going, cool, man. Well, I haven't been given a check for $20,000, so I haven't been blessed yet. Friend, when he went to Calvary and he died and was murdered without cause and he made a way for us to walk into the presence of God and he said, whoever believes in me will not perish but have everlasting life, we're blessed. We're blessed. And with that blessing comes a responsibility. And can I be honest with you this morning? I frequently do not meet up to the responsibility that his blessing requires. Frequently. But I'm on a journey of going, God, what, is this, what does this mean? There is a hidden cost to a high calling. And I think, honestly, I think we need to talk about this a bit more. And, you know, maybe I'm talking to the younger people a bit, but I don't think I am. I think we've got to teach a generation that, yeah, Jesus loves you. And, man, you're going to get set free. And freedom's going to come. Deliverance is going to come. And church is a community. And it's fun. And there's a cost. And in Australia, the cost is not as much as many nations in the world. One day it might be. So we've got to talk about the fact, we're not trying to scare anyone, we're not being Debbie Downers, but we are not meant to sell Jesus like a used car salesman. Right. We've got to be balanced in, hey, he is the kindest person you'll ever meet, and he loves you, and he cares for you, and he's with you, and he's asking you to leave everything. Right. The blessing of God comes with the responsibility of obedience. If I could get a keyboardist, that would be fantastic.